0: Welcome to the Celtic Down Under Podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight is John. How are you, John?
1: I'm good. I'm very well. It's been very wet here in Sydney, as everybody probably is aware. Um, hope anybody in Western Sydney is staying safe. Um but yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's been a nice quiet week, so keen to chat about shit.
0: New South Wales people. It's free showers, go outside, you know, you don't even need to get in your proper shower. Get some soap, off you go. Happy <laughs> day.
1: Yeah, unless your house is floating away. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm only joking around on that, but yeah,
0: stay safe everyone Um, up there. It's a not ideal situation, but um, yeah, rally around each other, which is the Aussie way, and stay safe. And how are you, Liam?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Up. It's uh, actually getting a wee bit warmer up here now. Uh, we're heading towards... Spring, I think the uh the old cherry blossom trees are starting to come out, so that's that's nice.
0: Well, it's not minus four in Japan anymore. Hey, nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as you can tell, it's a uh, interesting time being a Celtic fan at the moment because there's not a lot going on.
1: <laughs> yep. So
0: um, we'll just jump straight into it for the the podcast today. But before we do. If you listen to the podcast and you haven't subscribed yet to the Celtic Down Under podcast in your podcast, please pause this episode. Go out, hit subscribe, come back, and then hit play again. It'll help us out a lot, so we'd appreciate if you could do that. Other than that, we've got our Facebook group uh, and page, Celtic Down Under, Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down, and our website So, downunder.com, Liam's written an article on there yesterday, which we're going to discuss a bit later. So, go there, have a bit of a read of that as well. So, we'll get straight into the first topic today, our review of the Glasgow Derby. Celtic won, the Rangers won. We're talking off air before, John, about the game and I was... uh, about ten thirty, because it's eleven o'clock kick off our time over here on Sunday night. My missus goes to me, "Oh, the game's on in half an hour." I'm like, "Oh yeah, cool." <laughs> Fell asleep. So, yeah, um, that shows how up for up for this season is. Um, watch knew the result. Watched the game back last night, and yeah, realistically, we scored. We scored our goal. Like Ussi's header was a great, great finish. Um, I reckon by the time they scored, we probably could have have scored three quite comfortably. Um yeah. It was a frustrating game to watch back because as as what happen in the the December, I think it was Derby. We had a lot of football, we had a lot of run of play, but just couldn't finish. And then we got done off with a um set pace against them again what was your take on the game john
1: um well i think it's fair to say um, it was disappointing i think it probably felt a bit like a loss for me um just because we really somebody needs to beat them <laughs> somebody needs to fucking beat them before they get an invincible season um, and this was a game where i think it was I, I genuinely think it was a golfing class. I think you can have very you can have all these excuses of why Rangers were poor. Um but at the end of the day, Celtic just dominated them in every stat but the fucking one that counts. Um uh yeah, look, I think having um I can't remember what it was, six, seven, eight shots on target, um really you're you look you're looking at a team that's a bit more confident, probably scoring you know, another two goals um, and we're just not quite there. And you could probably see that um, with some of the decision-making that some of the players have been um, taking. Um, I, 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 I struggle to, to pinpoint exactly what went wrong, apart from just lacking that cutting edge and clinical um, style of football that we're used to. Um, I think everybody probably had a pretty good game, maybe some very small individual mistakes. Um, I think, Kenny's mistake that cost us the corner, which then eventually cost us a goal, is really understandable. I think that is just, again, a player that's really unconfident. Um, you can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to relieve the pressure and just kick it back to Bain. Um, but he's, he's fucked it, and Bain was completely taken unawares. Um, but I guess there is some positives to take out of the game, which is even when Celtic are shit, um, you know, we can play quite well. Uh, it's just a shame that they couldn't convert into um, the full three points. And I would also say that um, to be the champions of um, Scottish football, sometimes when you're playing shit, you just need to take the draw. So I don't think Rangers are particularly bothered. Why would they be? So, yeah, bit of a weird one. It's, look, we didn't lose, but it kind of feels like a loss to me.
0: What was your take on the game, Liam?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny you talking about
2: not being so fired up for this game because, you know, usually on the day of a derby game, you know, I'll get up early, get my hoops on, have a couple of drinks, get the Rebs on the, on the telly and none of that this weekend. I was out doing my shopping and I was like, oh, the game's on in half an hour, I better get up the road. <laughs> and then I ended up getting home just in time for kickoff and... Yeah, even when we went a goal up and we were, we were clearly, clearly better than them, I thought, no, this is the way this season's gone. We're going to end up losing or getting a draw here because we're just, we should beat them. We are better than them. But we just can't do it this season for some reason. Um, And, you know, when we got on to talking about that article I wrote later on, we'll get into some of the theories as to why that is the case this season. But, I mean, you know, great goal, well taken. Um, should have had at least two, possibly three penalties. I mean, I don't know what the... Well, I know exactly what the referee was doing. He was just mm-hmm. reverting to type. Um, they they are not that good a team, are they? I mean, you know, they're the champions, but they're not that good. They really are not that good. And if we can just get our act together, next season we can wipe the floor with them. I'm sure we can. I just don't I think we do should be afraid of. I don't.
0: The thing is, you both touched on it. It's confidence, like John was saying earlier. We had six, seven, eight shots on target. If we're in confident, confident team, we would have scored two, three more goals, right? Yeah. But it's also decision making. Like CalMack, when he drove into the byline, shot near post into McGregor, and and it was saved quite comfortably. But if he looked in in field, he had. Edward unmarked near the penalty spot and he had Christie wide open as well that he could have easily got a pass to. Bang, there's a goal. So it wasn't just that we had those shots and missed them. It was also our confidence is down so we're not looking for the, the thing that stands out for us all. Like we all saw it but they didn't. So yeah, confidence is a, an interesting thing in football because you look at them like they know they score against us they're a good chance they're a good chance to score against us off a off a corner kick or off a free kick they've done it all season so they're not worried they know they'll get the call now I've got a question for you guys what do you think of the yellow for the dive
1: on Edward? scandalous absolutely fucking ridiculous i uh, I think you're absolutely right he um we, we, re- we re- he reverted to type Willie him? Absolutely, and that fucking gammon-faced barrel, Chris Boyd, saying that he was, you know, oh, he, he uh, Willie Collins had a good game. A good game. He'd fucking how many booking for simulation when it was clearly a lunge nowhere near the ball. The ball was nowhere near him. Absolutely nowhere near him. It was insane. And there was a handball, and there was everything else. Look, I, I we're we're never going to get anything off a ref in Scottish football ever. I can't remember who it was. There was, uh, you know, one of these quotes, which is, you know, um, you're never going to get anything off a referee, but you just got to win the game, sort of thing. That's what it is. Who cares? Quote. It's a what? It was a Jock Stein quote. There you go. That's exactly it. Who cares what the ref's decision is? You need just if you win if you won the game, and and that's kind of at the end of the day, um, what we needed to do. We just needed to win the game and. Not care what the refs' decisions are.
2: I mean, the thing is about that yellow card one, right? See if you watch, watch it back, and look at Barisic's reaction. He knows that he's messed up. I mean, the guy, you know, he looked about as guilty as Michael Jackson when he's cocking his hand in mother care. You know, it was, <laughs> it was so obvious that he was he was guilty. You know, um, and uh. I don't know where that came from. Sorry about that, guys. (laughs) 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 Oh, must be that depressant. Anyway. uh, (laughs) um, But that was the thing. You look at Barisic's body language, he knows that he's given away a penalty there. And Edward knows it is a penalty. You can tell by just the sheer disbelief in his face when he gets booked as well. I mean... I don't know. I mean, the thing is, as well, see, see, even if even if you're going to say it wasn't a penalty, right, which it clearly was, but even if the rest could take the position, it wasn't. How can you book Edward for diving? He's got no reason to take a dive there. It clearly must have been contact of some kind.
0: Yeah, that's my take on it, Liam, because watching it at full speed, live, it looks like a penalty every day of the week. We've been given those ones. We've conceded those ones. Other clubs have had it all season. So to me, consistency across the course of the season, that's a penalty. However, when they slow it down and go to the replay, there's not much contact, but there's still contact. And he's out, and Barisic is out of control. And the ref probably thought Edward went down easy. That's That part, if he went down easy, that's irrelevant. You don't actually have to make contact, like much contact for it to be a penalty. If you disadvantage a player from continuing in a natural way to play the game and get to the ball after he's taken a touch to open up for a shot, Edward's disadvantaged. Therefore, he's impeded. Therefore, it's a penalty.
1: There's no such thing as a soft penalty.
0: I know, but I don't know. I thought it was a bit of a it was, it was a penalty. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, like I don't agree with column. Shouldn't have been a booking and. But, you know, I think mate, old mates and their match ticket or whatever it is, yeah, match numbers are going to look after them.
1: I think um, if this is one of the very rare occasions, because I'm not a big fan of VAR, but it's one of the rare occasions when if there was VAR and that was um, brought back, I don't see how any, even the most biased refs, are gonna sit there, look at that decision, and go, "How the fuck am I gonna play this?" I think in open play, you can you can argue. I saw what I saw and I interpreted the way I interpreted it. But being asked to review a decision like that, it'd be like, "Fuck's sake!" Do you know what I mean? It's like a punch in the face. Honestly, like an act, like if if a player was to punch someone in the face and the ref didn't see it, and then he's oh, we well, he didn't see it. Well, I didn't see it in open play. Going back to see where. It, see it on a screen, and then you say, oh, well, he's definitely done that. How how could anybody, after reviewing that decision, not have given that as a penalty? It's b- bizarre.
2: The thing is with that, though, it was back to the, the great flaw with VAR, which I've talked about before, is that it's entirely at the referee's discretion what he looks at. A referee yeah. can just say, oh, no, we don't need to look at that again. I'm, my decision's right. You know, and... You know, it'll be obviously he'll get flogged for it after the game, but at that point his team has won, so it doesn't matter.
1: Yep, yep. So that's it. We just need to score goals and open play. And we had many, many chances. We had many, many chances. I, um, I have really enjoyed. We we were doing a lot of dummy plays. Now I don't know where the hell that's come from, but um, they work quite well. I think it's been Edward and Christy Maybe even El Yanusi as well. Just not taking a pass and letting it roll across them. That's worked quite well. I reckon we should keep doing that.
0: Well you've just tied that in on my next question, John. what do yeah. you think of the strike partnership between Eddie and Nusi?
1: Um I think it's worked. Or at least in in <laughs> in this game it kind of worked to an extent. Um I don't think I'm massively a fan of of having two similar types of forwards, um I'd rather have one forward if you're gonna play two um strikers, I'd rather have one that's sort of pushing their defensive line and bothering them, and then another one that can sort of free roam and you know the Edouard type but that but it seems to work i'm I'm okay with it to be honest.
2: I think it worked. On Sunday, to, to a certain extent, I don't think it'll work again. I think a, I think it might be a bit of a one-trick pony.
1: Mm.
2: You know, it yeah, caught it caught Rangers cold because they were not expecting it, and we we absolutely mauled their defence in the first half. But second half, I think they kind of adapted to it.
0: Yeah, it's been our problems all season. We've been a good first half team, second half average.
1: Yeah and um i don't know if you guys saw um that Ayeti was uh, brought into kennedy's office sort of thing and just had a chat about his role and apparently Ayeti's quite happy but it kind of seems like he might be sort of the one after edward that's kind of the way that i interpreted that not sure why he was singled out um and not griff or Clamello or anybody like that
0: um <laughs> gets worse, John, because what you're looking at is the reason Kennedy said afterwards that he didn't play a Yeti was because he didn't want three strikers on the bench, right? Mm. But then of the two strikers you had on the bench, you bring Griffiths on with three minutes to go in the game.
1: Yeah, didn't so understand that.
0: That whole reasoning and then what you've done subwise, is irrelevant because- Unless you're going to bring Griff on with 20 minutes to go or 30 minutes to go and give him time to get into the game and actually make an impact, what's the fucking point? Like, honestly. Totally agree. mattered who that was on the bench
1: coming on for three minutes plus stoppage time? There was only two positions that in the second half, sort of 60, 65 minutes in, I'm thinking, well, they're not – in no way are they playing bad, um, but they're being – Uh, ineffective, or at least less effective than they were in the first half. And that was El Elianusi and Christie. And I know a lot of people have been saying Turnbull, but I actually thought Turnbull had a really good game. Didn't really understand the decision to take him off. Um, In fact, he was creating a lot of the chances from set plays, so I would have definitely left him. But yeah, and Griff was the perfect person to bring on 65 minutes in and take El Elianusi off. Bizarre but I guess that's you know we can't really be too critical he's not our you know Kennedy's not our actual manager
2: I mean I've heard well, it said that that um, that Griffiths I mean, the concern was he might not he might not last half an hour if he's not going to last half an hour he shouldn't even be on the bench yeah you know that's the hey.
0: other thing well, I could last half an hour and I've done like two training runs in the last six months like <laughs> come on <laughs> get your hand off it seriously yeah fucking hell No, but honestly, the the sub that I couldn't figure out is why did Rogic come on?
1: Yeah. Wrong player.
0: That sub. Like, why? He's a shadow of the player he was. As an Aussie and a massive Tom Rogic fan, it shits me to tears to say this, but he's not giving us anything. I don't see why there was any point of him coming on when he did. So that's another one that, that confused me. But the Griffiths yep. coming on so late, and why Rogic come on, but at the same time, when Kennedy brought guys on, made his first sub. That already made three, I think, or four. Yeah, so it was just strange.
1: Very strange. I I I didn't understand the sub. Inter- I I understood to an extent why they left the, um, the subs for so long, because um, even when Rangers brought on fresh legs, they really didn't bother us. We had, you know, we had players out there running 75 minutes and they had two or three players or whatever it was. And we, we still weren't really bothered. Um, so I understand not make, um, mucking up a flow and stuff, but take in, take ineffective players off and the, and the wrong ones. Actually, I remember me and my brother having a really good chat about, um, a book that we read, um, and it basically went into like the psychology, um, in sports, um, And one of the things that they're trying to do, I I guarantee you like Salzburg and all that, those sort of teams, the progressive teams are definitely doing it where they psychologically profile every player and then they categorize them into like, you know, these, these are the subs that you should have on your bench because they'll be the most effective if you need a win and you need to change the game because they have the right type of psychology to do that. That's the sort of stuff Celtics should be doing. And they might hey, – actually, do you know what? They might be, but we're not doing it very well. That's, we either need to do it or do it better.
0: Yep, yeah, agree with you on that. Um, I was going to make some, another point, but then you went on about sports psychology and you just lost me there. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. That's me. See you next week.
0: What I was going to say is it's disappeared off to, I don't know, wherever <laughs> Wherever Griffiths' fitness is gone, that's where that thought went to. So. <laughs> we're all good. All right. You got anything else you want to add about the game, Liam? Before we jump on to the next next topic.
2: Um, yeah, I would just say that although it's disappointing we didn't get the win, I think there were definite signs of improvement, um, and also I think it just dispels the myth that Rangers are in any way vastly better than us in terms of ability. Like you say, it's confidence. It's probably a bit of arrogance and bravado on their part, but player for player, nah, there's not there's not a gap there at all.
0: All right. So our next topic that I'm going to use to tie into it is on today's on Celtic's website there was a um, interview that went up from Dermot Desmond. Now we didn't really want to talk about this, but I'm doing. I just want to highlight two questions on here or three questions on here so that I can throw into the next thing we want to discuss so the next topic that we really want to get to is the rumors of Bruni going to Aberdeen next season now why I'm highlighting the Dermot Desmond interview is the first question when can we expect the appointment of a manager a response, as with any key appointment at Celtic, there is a process which involves research, investigation, interviewing and negotiation. This process is underway and is taking place privately and when complete, the board will make a public announcement. Who is in charge of this process? Bankier, Law, myself and naturally the incoming CEO. Any decisions will be made by the board approval. Can you give us some idea on the type of candidate? We are mindful that the fact that there is a huge amount of interest speculation among our supporters in the press. However, we respect the privacy of potential candidates and the integrity of the process. I think it would be inappropriate to make comments, the type of candidate we're looking for. So, why I'm focusing on that. Neil Lennon left four weeks ago. Pretty much four weeks ago, bothered. And after that point, Derek McInnes has left Aberdeen. They've gone off, they've interviewed, they've done everything and they've appointed their manager, Stephen Glass, this morning. Our time. So how I'm tying this back into Bruni potentially going to Aberdeen to be his assistant manager and the playing role is if Dermot Desmond is saying that there's all these processes and stuff that you've got to go through, why can Aberdeen do something a lot quicker than we can? What are your thoughts on that, John?
1: Um, I think there's a few things. I think we don't really, we don't have a, uh, a set plan yet, a long-term plan. We don't have a vision um, because the 10 was the fucking vision. Um, I think that the type of candidate that we're looking for, because he was, Desmond was very, very sleek about not, mentioning the type of manager i don't understand why you wouldn't just say here's the type of managers we're going for but you refuse to and i think it's because the type of manager we are going for is probably waiting around to see what all of the offers that they get to make a decision um which is both a positive and an absolute excuse to be honest because you could very much incentivize those types of managers just to come in straight away um yeah, and I think we're waiting for a director of football. I think it's—I just think maybe part a big part of it is we're a higher caliber than Aberdeen, so we require a higher caliber and, of manager, and, and that process takes longer. Um, but yeah, I think we're all getting a bit sick of it, and we all know fine well that we need a manager to come in ASAP so they get an opportunity to assess the fucking team and then go into the window. But there you are. And what's your take, Liam?
2: See, um, interviews like that annoy me as a journalist because they are utterly pointless. Um, if you've not got anything meaningful to say, which Desmond clearly didn't, why make the big furore of, oh, I'm going to sit down and give the website an exclusive interview and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take charge of the situation and speak out. It's like, yeah, you did bugger all. All you've done is actually make the situation even more cloudy than it was before. Um, complete lack of clarity, complete lack of accountability, the usual softball questions that were just, you know, obviously pre-screened and pre-pitched. And the thing is, any any sort of football-related interview, nine times out of ten, if it's from official club media, you're not going to learn anything because the club will not tell you anything. If the club have anything meaningful to say, they'll t- they'll say it to the, the, the full media in a press release. Stuff like this is just condescending, nonsensical bullshit, quite frankly. Yep.
0: Yeah, my take on it is it's just a collection of words. He's given us a few paragraphs here and there, just, you know, pay a bit of lip service, make it look like the club's actually releasing and communicating with the fan base. When if you read it and you see what's being said, but more importantly, what's not being said. In each of those paragraph answers, it's basically me looking at this going, you're basically talking for the sake of hearing your own voice and not actually telling us anything.
2: There's also another subtle point on this. If you look at the the article on the site, there is no audio or visual of Dermot Desmond. It's purely a written statement based on answers that he's given. Now, again, from my own experience, if you're doing an interview with somebody, people who take the time to actually phone you or to actually arrange a Skype call with you and tell themselves to go on record with what they're saying are far more worthy as a source than somebody who just like gets emailed a couple of, a couple of easy questions and emails back the answer and they get as much time as they
1: want to think about it. It's not an interview. That was a statement. That was a managed statement. Totally agree. I was just about to say that. That uh, this this screams like he was given the questions, asked the questions, and then it's been heavily edited by some sort of PR team.
2: How do you know it's even him that answered them? Correct. You know, that's the thing. It could be a fucking intern. It probably more than likely is because I know from <laughs> people who've done business with Dermot Desmond, the guy is one of the most aloof people that I've ever encountered.
1: There's also a point as well, right? Which is something I think we all m- misunderstand with Dermot Desmond's role as Celtic fans is he's not an owner; he's a majority shareholder, right? So, so why why are we interviewing him? That's something that I really don't understand. His his validity is of as a um, an interview source is a lot less than board members or CEOs. People like that, managers, assistant managers. I don't really give a fuck what Desmond thinks, to be honest. I don't give a fuck what he's trying to do. It's not entirely up to him.
0: Let's be honest. If, say, Tesco had people who were able to be shareholders in it and there was a majority shareholder of Tesco, would they be able to release a statement like this on Tesco's website?
1: Exactly. And then if they did, who gives a fuck?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes no sense. So Waffle. It was total waffle. It's... As I said, a statement of words, a collection yeah. of words. It's absolutely shambolic and nothing to see here. So back to the main reason I put that in there. Bruni, off to Aberdeen. Now I've reached out to. There's a fan podcast from Aberdeen. They have basically one, one or two up there. I've reached out to get their view on it because of all the pantomime villain stuff from their point of view that he's done over the years and the clashes he's had with their players. I want to find out from their point of view how welcome he's going to be in their supporter base because that's my first thought about this. The second thing is the Scottish Sun did a mock-up picture of him in an Aberdeen kit today. Jeez, it looks weird. Yeah, I boked. Uh, yeah, but if he does go for that role – all I'll say is things are going to get a little bit tougher because that's him and Johnny Hayes reunited again and also the fact that, well, is there a better mentor for Lewis Ferguson to learn from up at Aberdeen going forward?
1: Yes. um, It's obviously quite sad news, to be honest. I think we all knew it was coming. Um, We especially... Knew um, that it was going to be soon. Um, it's just a bit kicking the gut, punching the gut, sorry, when it's been happening just after the Rangers game and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I mean, I guess Aberdeen's a, a good place to cut your teeth. Um, it will be weird watching him play for Aberdeen, to be honest. But I think it's a good move for Brown, for sure. I do. Yeah, sad though. Absolute legend.
2: To answer the question about the Aberdeen fans, I think they'll take to him. Because I think they do... The Aberdeen fans that I know certainly have quite a similar mentality to the average Celtic fan. As in, they've got players who they absolutely hate when they play against them. But when you become one of them, you're one of them. And most... even, Even Rangers supporters who I know We'll say, ah, that bastard Brown. But we'd love him if he was one of us. Yeah, you know, I think there's a universal acknowledgement there that Scott Brown's a type of guy that you'd love to play with him, and you can hate playing against him.
0: My next question is to be a fly on a wall. How do you think it's going to go down when Bruni walks into that dressing room and Shay Logan sitting in there? <laughs> Logan dressed up as Bruni in Tenerife on his Bucks turn. <laughs>
1: I think that's just uh, just a bit of fun. I don't think I, I, yeah, I don't think they hate each other enough. Enough. Um, I, I, I think that that's all just on the pitch rivalries. Then the yeah, I think, I, think like, I, I agree, Liam. I think any team in Scotland would would take Scott Brown in their team. Um, and I think if he's stepping into a coaching role, I think any team in Scotland would take him as a coach.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. All right, so now switching gears. Last Thursday, Slavia Prague knocked Rangers out of the Europa League. You're beauty, however, racial abuse and then of Glenn Kamara allegation has happened, and then Slavia Prague have lodged an assault allegation against Kamara for apparently belting the bloke in the tunnel after the game. Now... On the weekend, we saw Bruni during warm-ups run up to up to Kamara, put a hand around him, give him a little cuddle, and then we saw the coaching staffs and the players all take a stand against racism. Great to see. Why I'm bringing this up, though, is it's a double standard in my point of view. There's no place for racism of any form in in life, let alone football. There's no place for bigotry in football. So they're standing up, Rangers and Celtic standing up against racism. But what about the bigotry side of it? If you're going to call someone the N word, you're going to call them anything that's racial, there's no place for it. But what about a Fenian bastard or an orange bastard or that sort of stuff? Or, you know, up to your knees in. Fenian blood on Catholics and all this sort of shit. And then some of our support, I've heard at CSEs in the past, bagging out Protestants and stuff like that. There's no place for it. Like, it's the same, it's two sides of the same coin, in my opinion racism and bigotry. It needs to be stamped out across the board. So I would have loved for him to go that next step and address both sides of it. What's your take, Liam?
2: No. First of all, uh, Glenn Kamara, F. What was said to him was indeed said to him, and I have no reason to believe it wasn't, because looking at his reaction, I think it's obvious that something racial was said to him. Um, I'd have been right alongside him kicking fuck out the guy in the tunnel if I'd have been there. So respect to him for that. Um, But I'll take no lectures on racism from fucking Rangers supporters. Let's just be clear about that right away. Um, The amount of them that have been taking the moral high ground in the last few days, talking down to us, Trying to school us about racism. I mean, these are the same guys who are writing fuck BLM on walls all last summer, you know? Um, no, I'm not gonna take lectures from any of them. They have a racist, fascist, bigoted underclass to their support that the club themselves have no interest in doing doing anything about because it's a it's a moneymaker for them. Um And it speaks to a wider problem in Scottish society. Now, Celtic also have an issue with anti-Protestant bigotry. Um, And unfortunately, in Scotland, especially in politics, you can't really have a a proper discussion about the issues of anti-Irish racism um, or bigotry in general because it all gets kind of linked into the old forum Celtic and Rangers and they're both as bad as each other. There's always that narrative that, that people who don't want to deal with it will put out there. And it's just not true because each incident needs to be assessed in its own merit. You know, if you have, let's say, for example, you had uh, a black person gets, gets beaten up in a racist attack. Right. Then the next day, a Pakistani person gets beaten up in a racist attack. They're both racist attacks, but you don't have the police saying, oh, well, you know, it's two incidents that are obviously the same thing happened. No, they would investigate each individual incident and catch the people responsible. But when it's sectarianism, they're just like, oh, it's just Celtic and Rangers. They're all just as bad as each other, and nothing's ever done about it. That needs to change. Um, Now, with the Slavia Prague thing, yes, as I said, Kamara has my full support in battering the guy who said what he said, and any Rangers players who jumped in for him as well have my full support. Racists deserve a kick in the balls if they're going to be racist. But it seems that Rangers were quite shall I say unprofessional in how they handled the situation after that. Apparently the Slavia team were locked out of their changing room. The security cameras were turned off. There was a lot of intimidation being used to not just the player who committed the racism act but the entire Slavia team and management. And that's not right. You don't attack a whole group because one of them's an idiot. Um, And that needs to be fully investigated. And if Rangers are guilty, they need to be charged. Regardless of the motivation, you can't use threats and intimidation like that. Um, It makes everybody look bad. And it takes away from the actual heart of the matter, which is a player got racially abused. Because... We weren't talking about that after the game. We were talking that was part of the wider issue of this massive furore that happened at full time. Whereas the full argument should be a guy got racially abused, that's wrong, the guy who did it should be in trouble. End of story. But it's created this whole other narrative to it. And also talking about that, um I'm quite embarrassed with some of my fellow Celtic supporters this week, to be quite frank with you. A lot of what aboutery and false equivalences saying, well, what about the that you know that roof kicking the guy in the head, whatever? Does not justify racism in any way, shape, or form. Okay? Saying, Oh I but they've done plenty of racism acts in the past. Glenn Kamara hasn't. He didn't deserve to get racially abused. I'm not going to condemn him because of the te- because of the team he plays for. That's that's bigotry. Um it was wrong. Everybody needs to call it out and say that it's wrong, because that's the only way you're ever going to defeat racism, is if the majority of people come round to saying it's wrong and it needs to stop. Too many of our own supporters were not doing that. They were too busy in trying to play it down, trying to claim it never happened, just because it was a hun that it happened to. If that had been one of our players, they would all have been screaming from the hills, saying, get that, get that team booted out of UEFA instantly. You know, they would have been just as angry as most Rangers supporters were on Friday morning. But because it happened to Rangers, we're just supposed to laugh at it. Nah, nah. Racism is not something you ever laugh at. And racists deserve nothing more than the end of a boot. Anyway, what do you think, guys?
0: Yeah, it's definitely not a point-scoring exercise. So, yeah, you're spot on there. But I'll throw it over to you, John.
1: Um, So, a few things. I think I'll dip my toe into the socio-political aspect of this, um, which I think Liam uh, touched on. I think when um, we look at bigotry in any form, um, uh, the current narrative is that um, bigotry only really happens uh, racially. Um, I think... um, that the second that we talk about bigotry between two different classes of white people within Scotland uh, it's not considered bigotry which is why you do get big portions of uh, Scottish society that will condemn rightly so any form of racism um, but then will turn around and call someone a fenian or an orange bastard whatever it is i think it's i think that boils down to um it's not considered bigotry if you're white um, or against a white person, I should say, which is of course it is bigotry, and we need to stamp that out from top to bottom. I think in this particular situation, um, it's actually out with Scottish society, and it's just a um, a toxic symptom of a wider problem um, that I think needs to be addressed on the football pitch as well, um, because. I've seen some comments that suggest that um using racial slurs as a wind-up tactic is perfectly acceptable. I think we're all on the same page here that any form of racism no matter what is unacceptable. Whether your intentions are racist or not, we're just we're just not going to we're not going to use those we're not going to use those words, we're not going to use those slurs, we're not going to um offend anybody in the in Um, those particular ways. Uh, Again, sort of touching on that, I think there was also some disappointment I felt um, when some forums, rightly so, defended Kamara um, and the particular followers of these forums jumped down their throats because why would you ever stick up for a Rangers uh, player was the the narrative there. I just think this is not a football... um, Problem, I think, like I said, it's a wider societal problem.
0: It's a human problem. It's a human it's a, problem. It's a human it's a, problem. It's not. It's not a Celtic Rangers problem. And you're spot on, John. Like I, I know of a few different Facebook groups, for instance, that lost. Like I know one group they kicked fifty odd people out for, you know, making comments
1: on that regard. It's just not on. I, I think we all need to remember this is a young lad as well. Remember, he's not. You know, he's not. When you're in, you know, when you're early twenties, you're still sort of figuring out who you are and stuff. Um, and he doesn't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. So we need to remember that the, the human asp- aspect of it as well. Let's, I mean, like, it sounds weird, but we let, let's ignore the color of his shirt, you know, and let's focus on the color of his skin and realize that the dude is a black man in a. Very casually racist society, full stop in Scotland, but as a, in a wider society, um, it's apparently that's completely acceptable in parts of Europe, and it's just and and it just isn't acceptable. And you wait for need to just stamp it out like I understand there's a due process, I understand that you can't just uh discipline anybody for any accusation, but Christ almighty, it doesn't get any more obvious than that. And and the reaction of the um Prague player. It just screams, I know exactly what I did and I'm guilty and I'm going to get away with it anyway. You know, every, can we just acknowledge that he did not say, you're a fucking guy, right? That's That screams like somebody who's quite quickly gone, oh, I'm just going to have to think of something on the spot there and I'm going to say I said guy instead when you didn't and we all know you didn't. The and that's- the mouth,
0: And then it's not just Kamara's response. Have a look who's around him when it happened. He had like three other black teammates who all heard the same thing and all reacted. Like Goldson lost his marbles off the back of it, and he's a very calm and composed person. So, sorry, as much as it as as much as it hurts to say this, like I I actually trust what Goldson said off the back of it as well.
1: Yep. I I, I why I I. <laughs> not that any of us three white dudes are going to be able to understand this fully but we've all had discrimination in whatever form so to the extreme which is racism you know um nobody wants to be a victim of discrimination so why would they continuously pan themselves as such i i don't i don't understand the the immediate assumption of uh lying when black people say that they've considered they've they've been victims of racism. What what benefit to them in any shape or form is it to say, you know, I've I experienced racism when it wasn't? I, I my gut reaction is always I believe you and now let's prove it every single time until until otherwise proven. I'm,
0: I'm gonna go with you. That's the exact same story you hear when a, a woman goes to the police with sexual assault allegations. Yep. It's the exact same thing. If it's a racism allegation or it's that, it's always people like, prove it. Why should they prove it? They're making an allegation. Something's happened to them. Investigate it. And if someone's done something, charge the fuck out of them.
2: Yep. And also to cut in there, what you said, Jared, about, about you know women claiming sexual abuse allegations and black people claiming racism, the same people who will deny one happened will usually deny the other happened as well. And I think that says a lot about those people. The yep. people who try to play down both of those things that we know happen on a daily basis.
0: At the end of the day, we're all human. We all breathe oxygen. We all have blood in our veins. We all were born by a female, let's be honest here. So the way I look at it is, what difference is it on what the what the charges? I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're Asian. You could you could be purple for all I care. I don't give a shit at the end of the day. You're a human, you treat me right, I'll treat you right. That's pretty much as simple as it gets. And I think the majority of Celtic fans and humans in general are all of the same way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Go. I I I um I'm a bit of an optimist. I truly believe that the majority of Rangers and Celtic fans are in agreement that Glenn Kamara experienced racism and that we've all equally condemned it. I think we're we're better than um, the loudest, put it that way. So, yeah, I think I definitely stand with Glenn Kamara,
2: 100%. I would agree with you there. And I would also say that, Like you, I think the majority of Celtic and Rangers fans are united in the idea that we have to condemn this and we have to support Plan Camara. But there's a sizable minority who aren't, and it's on people like us to speak out and to challenge that bullshit where we see it. Always. That's the only way it's going to change.
0: And unfortunately, it's always the squeaky wheel that gets the oil. So it's always, no matter how well everyone goes, it's always that, you know... Uh, One or two over there, and five people over there, and some dickhead from a, you know, from Slavia Prague making a comment that brings everyone into focus on it again. So, yeah. I suppose we'll just leave that topic there, but we've said our piece. The, the Celtic Down Under podcast stands with Glenn Kamara.
2: Yep. And Slavia Prague are we getting a bill for the shirt that I ordered from them that I'm now going to have to cancel? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh. If only you could get a name and number on the back. You'd just get, you know, racist and whatever his number is on the back of and then send it back to him. Uh. All right. So, Liam, you wrote an article on Celtic and mental health. Yeah. On, on CelticDownUnder.com. Go check it out. But over to you, Liam.
2: Hi. Um, yeah, basically, when I'm thinking of things to write for the blog, I. Try to think what's something that I've got experience over, something that I know about that I can also relate to Celtic. And yeah, I'll be straight up, guys. I've had some mental health issues recently. Um, I am currently getting treated for anxiety and depression. Nothing too serious, just, you know, it's been a rough year for everybody and I'm feeling it a little bit more than most people, I think. But, um, and I was thinking about it and I thought, I always take the approach with mental health that you need to know your enemy, um, because it's not the first time I've had to deal with these issues. It's you know it's been an on-off thing for most of my life. Um, some people are just prone to it, and I thought a lot of the therapeutic approaches that psychologists and doctors take to tackling mental health could also be applied to tackling what's wrong with Celtic right now. Because, as I think we all agree, more than the majority of issues at Celtic right now are mental rather than physical. Because the players are not bad players. They are not inferior to Rangers. But mentally, we're just not doing it right now. So... In the article, I kind of took the the approach of like, let's let's pretend that we are psychologists or psychiatrists. And how do we approach Celtic as a patient in need of mental health care and rehabilitation? And I just stepped through the different stages of the process of analyzing what's wrong, understanding what's triggered it, understanding how to get on top of it and understanding how to prevent it happening again. And this is all based on mental health research. And I'd be really interested to hear what people think about it once they've read it, because it's, um, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting piece to write. I really en- it was very self-reflective for me. I enjoyed going through it and thinking about my own experiences and how it relates to it. Um, and it was also a wee bit cathartic as well. I'm not going to lie. Talking about this in a positive sense for a change was, was really helpful. So um, what do you think, guys?
0: Well, first of all, I'll just say, whoever's listening to this, pause the podcast, go to CelticDownUnder.com, find the article, have a read. It was a very well-written article, Liam, so well done on that front. Thank you. I really enjoyed reading it and I learned quite a bit as well. And yeah, it's inspiring to know what you're going through mentally and how you're pushing forward and the ways to address it. So I learned stuff on the mental health side of it that can help me personally before I even relate it to the football club. So great article. Thank you. Now I thought if there's anyone out there who has read it and you got comments, you can comment on the website about it. Liam's got access, you can read them. Same same with me, same with Sean. So yeah, there's no no issues there. Get in touch. Have a conversation in the comments. We're happy to do that. But yeah, it's um I hadn't thought of it in that regard. Um but the way you broke it down, but makes perfect sense like the the main thing is a diagnosis figuring out what's wrong and how to what you need to do to treat it and everything and then to go forward so yeah it, it does relate if you break it down into we need to do this step then this step then this step then this step that's exactly what we need to do to, to stop the rot as a football club and then to set our course and go forward as a club so I really enjoyed it on that front
2: Thanks.
0: Good to know. Not sure you read it, John.
1: Um, yeah. Look, I don't really have heaps to comment on it. Um, I think mental health is very important to talk about. I think for too long, I think my, I think lots of generations suffer from it. I think um, my generation seems to be very, very common. Um, I think l- many pundits and commentators have often discussed that football in Scotland is a medium, um, for a lot of, um, well, historically men, but I guess women now as well, um, to, uh, relieve quite a lot of the stresses of life. And that's why you get, you know, quite calm, you know, normal, inverted commas, normal men, um, during the, the rest of their life. And then they go to a football stadium and they scream their guts out and they you know acting like a child and all that stuff and it's just a, a therapeutic thing. Um but yeah look I think we I think it's important to discuss mental health more. Um and if we can use analogies to um and methods from treating mental health. I've never really thought about it like that, but it's um use it to help any type of business, including Celtic, then I'm all for it.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest. My primary motivation was not really a Celtic when I sat down to write that that thing. It was more to kind of get people thinking about mental health and using Celtic as a context to kind of bring people into it. And um, it sounds like, with in the case of both you guys, that's the effect it's had. So that's that's very that's very heartening to hear, and I thank you both for that.
0: Now, Liam, if my arms were long enough, I can play from Melbourne, Australia, over to you in Japan. I'll give you a high five right now for that article. So, <laughs> you now nah, it was a well written piece. I would recommend, highly recommend everyone give it a read. Let us know what you think. But yeah, unless you got anything else you want to touch on about the article, boys, we'll just get on to our last topic for the podcast.
2: Great, cracking. Yeah. Let's let's let's
0: move on. So the post. fiction The post-split fixture has been announced. So we don't have a game now until the 4th of April where we play Falkirk in, what's that, in the cup, the Scottish Cup. Next league game is on the 11th of April at home against Livingston. Then Thursday the 22nd, we play Aberdeen up at their place. Sunday 2nd of May, we've got Rangers at their dump of a stadium. Then 13th of May, we've got St. Johnson at Celtic Park, which is our last home game of the year. And then we finish the season off at Easter Road against Hibbs. So what I'd like to know is with the form we've shown this season, firstly, how many of those games do you see us winning or which ones are winnable? Second of all, which ones of those teams do you think could take points off Rangers or beat them so they're not, they don't become invincibles? And third, do you think the Scottish Cup is going to be the motivator that we all need to try and at least get a trophy this season? So I'll throw to you first, John.
1: Um, <laughs> how, how many can we win? All of them. How many are we going to win? Probably like six-tenths, something like that. I, I, I just yeah, I think we're probably gonna lose a lot of momentum towards the end.
0: So, so three out of five you're saying then if it's six tenths and yeah. The
1: five, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So like I don't I yeah, generally probably not that many, but um I I think the Scotch Cup should be uh be all and end all, to be honest, for this season. Just has to be, didn't it? Um I think we'll probably really struggle, to be honest, unless we can really build a good momentum. I think uh, winning a Scottish Cup is going to be a struggle, but we need to be putting a lot of effort into it. Um, and we really need to beat fucking Rangers away.
0: I'd love for that to happen to be their first loss of the season, and it. We yeah,
1: just it, we just have to.
0: Where they don't get the invincibles.
1: Uh, look, it's um, invincibles is a big part of why I think we need to be them, but. I also think that just for fucking psychology we can't lose 3 draw 2 or lose 4 draw 1 in a season. That would really that would really indicate a uh, quite heavy rot in Celtic. To to go from absolutely fucking romping them and then within 3 seasons not beating them once. Yeah. Um I just just in a I hate international week. I I I can't be asked with it or <laughs> these all the qualifiers and stuff. Like I just I either want to watch a competition or I just want to watch Celtic. So this is gonna. I, yeah, I can't wait for. I
0: just want this season for Celtic over and done with, so we can get our new manager in, get on with it, sign the players, sell the guys who don't want to be there, and just okay, see where we are and get excited about next season. But you know, national break slowing that down for us.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, a pretty good point. So yeah, um, I mean, but let, let's just let's just see how Scotland go with the games that they've got, and then see how happy I am after it. But I just want to watch Celtic, to be honest. How about you, Liam?
2: Aye, they, um, I really don't see why these qualifiers couldn't be put off till after the Euros. It really just it seems a bit. It's it all. It really is is an opportunity for more people to get COVID. You know, really, that's all it's to be. Um, And you know, by the time we get to about September, hopefully, we'll be at the point where you know footballers are getting vaccinated. Um, I know that the the UK government at least wants to have all the priority groups done by June. So, you know, hopefully, that we could be in a position by about September where footballers are getting the shots. And then international games, you could, you could you could play, you know, have a two week block and play, you know, three or four games if need be. Um, it really just seems silly to put in these these games now when they they serve no purpose, especially with the Euros. Because so, if if a player gets COVID now, if he's one of the unlucky souls who gets long COVID like my brother did, he could be out of action for three months, and that would that would hump his chances of going to the Euros. You know, um, it just seems a needless risk. To to have the international break now. Now, speaking to about Celtic, I think we can win all five of those remaining games. Ooh. I think we can. And I think we will. I'm going for it. Maybe it's the drugs I'm on, but I'm going for it. I think we can do it. Um But um the other thing is the Scottish Cup, I actually really like this condensed Scottish Cup because in Japan we do this every year. Um the J League season usually concludes sort of second or third week of November and then you have the Emperor's Cup which is like they're a, it's sort of the League Cup and Scottish Cup kind of rolled into one and they play that over about a four or five week period and then the final is usually played on New Year's Day and that's the the, the end of the the J League season and then it starts up again in March I mean I'd like Scotland to adopt that calendar to be honest March to November then play the Scottish Cup in December I think that would be brilliant um, summer football is the way forward. No one will convince me otherwise. Yep. But um, at the very least, I think they should look at continuing this idea of a condensed Scottish Cup. Because it also, it's good for TV, because you can have you know, basically have a cup game every week for, for a month. Um, it's good for fans. It gives them something to look forward to. Because even if, like this, we've had a god-awful season, we've still got a competition to play in April. That's a good thing, you know. Um, so it's something to look forward to, at least. And if you mm. support one of the so-called We Diddy teams, you know, the Cup is your last chance for glory if you've had a rough season. And it's also, uh, with it being condensed, I think when, when the run of games put together, it's tougher for the bigger teams than it is the smaller teams to have that consistent run. So I, I don't think Celtic or Rangers are going to win this cup, to be honest. I think it will be a team outside them that'll win the cup this year. And that's good for the wider picture of Scottish football. Although I would rather Celtic won it, obviously. But I think you could have a I don't know, a Dundee United or an Aberdeen or maybe even a St Johnson coming up and winning it.
0: Yeah, I actually reckon St Johnson's a good shot. Aye.
2: Um, but yeah, I just think it's a good it's a good idea to have this condensed competition, and I hope that somebody at the SFA at least is talking about could we keep this going next year.
0: Yep, I think it's a good idea. We'll see what happens when they bring it They're already talking about bringing back the winter break next year, so we'll see what happens as well when they're back to the normal timeframes and how they want to line it all up. But yeah, um, one last thing because we're talking about the Scottish Cup that I want to touch on is. Suck shit, Hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you are. Go you good things from the, what are they, the Highland League or something like that, giving, giving Hearts a bit of a uh, thumping. Get it up, years. Love it. So, um, yeah, just wanted to mention that at the end of the podcast because that was brilliant to see. <laughs> <laughs> that's mental, though. That's, oh, that's, that's- for fifth, fifth tier or something like that, taking out a team top of the second tier. That's the, tier,
1: that's the tier that my brother plays in, <laughs> in as a semi-pro. Yeah. And they've just pumped hearts. Fucking yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, excellent.
0: It's brilliant. All right. So what we'll do is we'll uh, leave the podcast there, finish it on that funny funny thing. Um, yeah. Celtic Down Under on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down. Check out CelticDownUnder.com, the website, read Liam's article, Sean had an article up there as well last week as well. Get on there. And, um, yeah, looking forward to next week's podcast. Um, Could be a slow news week, so we might have to go back and review our fearless predictions from the preseason and see just how badly we've all got it. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Hell, hell. Hell, hell. Hell, hell.